Hello, everyone, and welcome back to True Time. So with Halloween right around the corner, it only seemed fitting to do this case. So today we are going to be talking about Cassie Jo Stoddart, the real life scream murder. Hi everyone, we are so excited to be kicking off our second episode ever on True Time. Did not think we'd already be here. It's so much fun. We've had a lot of fun, you know, kind of creating all of our social platforms and getting all the feedback from our friends and family. Which was all positive. So yeah. That's, that's a good start. So it's been it's been really exciting to kind of see our little dream come to life. Yes. So it's October, officially spooky season. <laughs> so I think kind of for the remaining uh, month, these are all going to kind of have Halloween themes. But the week of Halloween will definitely be a true crime case. A dedicated episode to a Halloween. Very related to Halloween. Awesome. But Sounds fun. with this being associated to the real life scream murder. Yeah, that okay, that already scares me. Yeah. That sounds pretty creepy. Yeah, it's that's everyone's nightmare. Yeah. This yeah. story is pretty terrifying. Okay. So let's get on into it. Great. Hopefully I can sleep tonight. <laughs> Our case begins on Friday, September twenty second. 2006 on Whispering Cliffs Drive in Pocatello, Idaho. And Pocatello is a small town. The population was mostly made up of members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I know a lot about that. Yes. So small town, quiet town, not a lot going on. Even, so you said Whispering. Whispering Cliffs Drive. Okay, yeah. Already spooky. (laughs) I know. Wow. So, Cassie Jo Stoddart was a 16-year-old girl who was described as a responsible straight-A student who attended Pocatello High School where she was a junior. She was house-sitting and watching three cats and two dogs for her aunt and uncle who were out of town just to help make some extra money. Of course. Mm -hmm. She'd helped babysit for her cousins before, so she was the perfect choice and she knew the family well, and the family knew they could trust her with this responsibility. Cassie attended Pocatello High School where she met her boyfriend, Matt Beckham, and they'd been dating for around five months at this point. And while she was house-sitting, she invited over Matt to hang out and watch a movie. Mm -hmm. Young love. (laughs) So he arrived to the home, At around 6 p.m. and a little bit later, he invited over his friends Brian Draper and Tori Adamsick to watch Kill Bill Volume 2. Okay. I've never seen that movie, but... Yeah, that's like one of my dad's favorite movies. I've seen it at least five times. So, you know the vibe. Yes. And Cassie knew Brian and Tori from school, but she wasn't really close friends with them. They were more Matt's friends. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And um, she was actually kind of annoyed by this coming over since she was house sitting and she didn't want people she didn't know super well over. But her boyfriend told her it would be fine since they were just watching a movie. Yeah, no one likes that though when you're hanging out or you're at someone else's house and then they just decide to invite people over. Yeah, especially when you're kind of 16 and you're given a big responsibility. Yeah, you want to do it right. Yeah, you don't want a bunch of boys over. Mm -hmm. Might not end well. So um, they get there, and once the group is finally all together in the home, some sources said that um, Cassie gave them all a tour of her aunt and uncle's home. Mm-hmm. And after a little while of watching the movie, Brian and Tori decided they were going to leave because they said that they thought there was just there was going to be a house party. Yeah. And once they realized they were just watching a movie, they decided they would just go watch a new movie they had never seen before at the movie theater instead. Mm -hmm. So that happens. And shortly after they left, the power in the home went out and Cassie and Matt became extremely nervous. Mm -hmm. And, you know, being that age alone in a big house, they were afraid to go investigate. So they just stayed in the living room, hoping that the power would come back on. Yeah, I mean, at that age, you don't really know what to do. Yeah, I would feel defenseless. So Yeah. And it could have just been anything. So, but during this time, one of the dogs that Cassie was pet sitting started staring and growling down the basement stairs. Oh, God. But they didn't see what the dog was looking at. So this just added to their fear. Mm-hmm. And um, shortly after, some of the lights in the home came back on, not all of them. And because of this, Matt called his mom to ask if he could stay at the house with Cassie so she wouldn't have to be alone. Okay, that's pretty nice of him. But being 16 years old, his mom said no. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) The gesture was there, Yeah. but she said no. She did alternatively offer Cassie to come home with them and stay the night and that she would bring her right back to the home in the morning. But Cassie denied since she felt she had a responsibility to watch the home and the animals. Mm -hmm. So Matt's mom came and picked him up at around 1030 PM. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of the end of that. Shortly after he was picked up, Uh, Matt actually called Brian and Tori again to see if they wanted to meet up later, but he uh, he could barely hear them because they were whispering on the other end of the line, um, which he assumed to be because they were still at the movie theater. Who answers their phone in the movie theater? I don't know. (laughs) I guess it's pretty late at night at this point. It's like 11-ish. Maybe they're the only ones in there. So that's what, you know, Matt's under the inception. Like, oh, they're probably watching a late movie mm-hmm. and they're teenage boys. I don't think they really care. Yeah. So on September 24th, two days later, Cassie's aunt and uncle named Frank and Allison Contreras and the cousins returned home from their trip. Cassie's 13 year old cousin went into the home and entered the living room where she saw Cassie's dead body and immediately started screaming. So the next day they get two home. days later. Oh, two days later. Yeah. So they return home on Sunday. Mm-hmm. God. Once Frank and Allison came in, they saw blood everywhere around Cassie and her body was laying on the floor 
and they immediately called 911. Allison told police that she saw, quote, blood behind her head and left leg and her left hand pinky almost severed. Cassie's autopsy report stated that she had been stabbed 30 times and around 9 to 12 of the stabs were fatal. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was also announced through the autopsy that she had been murdered Friday night. Mm -hmm. This family had a really hard time recovering after this traumatic experience. Um, The wife, Allison, the aunt, became extremely depressed and lost her job. And their daughter, who found Cassie, also became extremely depressed and attempted to commit suicide. Oh, God. And this was a quote. Frank said that each member of the family has had an unexplained encounter in the home, end quote, according to an article from the Idaho State Journal. So, like, before she was... No, since the murder. Oh, since, okay. Yeah. So they're, like, insinuating that maybe... Her spirit is around or something. Yes. Okay, I see. Yeah. But as the investigation begins, the police from the Bannocks County Sheriff Department noted that there weren't any signs of forced entry, which likely meant Cassie had let the killer into her home willingly, Hmm. kind of insinuating that she knew them. And Allison Contreras, the aunt, told police that she saw broken glass But other than that, nothing in the home was disturbed or taken, ruling out that this could have been a burglary. Mm -hmm. So um, also just a side note for any of the animal lovers, the police officers found all of the animals together in a bedroom and they were not harmed. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say the opposite. No, no, no. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Just for some peace of mind there. Yeah. Um, So... They continue the investigation, and obviously Matt Beckham, her boyfriend, was one of the last people to see her alive that night, so they began questioning him first. Mm-hmm. Matt told the police he had tried to call her around 12.15 a.m. when he arrived at home after leaving, but Cassie didn't answer. Mm. He stated that he spent Saturday trying to call her around 10 to 15 times, but she still didn't answer. And Saturday night, he spent the night at his friend Tori Adamsick's house, one of the friends who came over Friday night. Yeah. And he even asked him to drive to the house where Cassie, the house that Cassie was watching. But Tori said he didn't have enough gas to get to the house and back. So they couldn't go see if she was okay. Yeah. Matt also told police about Brian and Tori visiting the home that night. So. The police questioned them next. Mm-hmm. And this starting on September 25th, the police began questioning the boys, but both their stories did not match up and the police could start to see right through them very quickly. So those were the friends of him, of her boyfriends. Yes. That come over. Yes. Oh God. Yeah. Mm. They both admitted to going to a movie theater that night to watch the movie Pulse, but neither of them could tell the cops what the movie was even about. Mm -hmm. They tried to say that they spent the night in Tori's home, but the times they gave, witnesses saw them at a convenience store later, so that couldn't have worked. 
And they even tried to claim that they were breaking into cars that night, kind of giving any type of fake alibi they could. Okay. By September 27th, Brian Draper could not keep in the secret any longer, and he told police his version about what unfolded that Friday night that Tori murdered Cassie. Mm. He told police that him and Tori arrived at the home on Whispering Cliffs Drive that Friday evening, and while they were looking around the home, remember when she was giving them a tour? Yeah. Brian admitted to unlocking the basement door so they could re-enter to scare Matt and Cassie. When they left the home, claiming they were going to the movie theater, they went to Tori's car and put on these creepy-looking masks, gloves, and grabbed some knives. They then proceeded to sneak into the unlocked basement door where Brian stated that they, quote, broke two ashtrays on the stairway, end quote, to get Matt and Cassie to come down. But when they didn't, that was when they found the circuit box and shut off the lights. However, as we know, Matt and Cassie did not go down to investigate. Yeah. So they turned some of the lights back on. Mm -hmm. But not long after this happening was when Matt called them and informed them that he was leaving the home soon. And this was why they were whispering on the other end of the line. Okay. Yeah. So sadly, that phone call basically gave them the green light that Cassie was about to be alone. Yeah. So shortly after he left, the boys shut off the lights again, but Cassie still didn't come down to investigate. So they went upstairs and Draper said he slammed a door to scare Cassie but she still didn't come over to investigate. Mm-hmm. Being a girl alone, completely understandable. Yeah. So at this point, Draper stated that they went into the living room when Cassie said, this does have a bad word in it. Who is that? So this is the quote. Who is that? I'll kick your ass, end quote. And he started to walk over when he said, Adam sick, his friend Tori, just abruptly started to stab her. Okay. He first tried to claim he thought it was a joke so he couldn't believe what was happening and that he never stabbed Cassie. Then later, after Adam Sick had stabbed her multiple times, he claimed in another, he was interviewed a few times, he claimed in another interview that Adam Sick made him stab her as well. Okay. So he tried to say he didn't even touch her. And then he said, oh, my friend Tori made me stab her. Like She was already dying. I did it to protect myself. However. Oh, that's when you stab your friend. <laughs> well, he thought it was a joke. This is his version. Okay. Tori also tried to play the blame game that he thought it was all a joke and that Brian did all the stabbing. Yeah. So now they're just trying to. Throw the other under the bus. Yep. Basically, he said, he said. Mm -hmm. And, you know, despite all of the lives, Brian agreed to take the cops to Black Rock Canyon, where all of the evidence that they attempted to burn was, and what the police found was absolutely disturbing. So, they lead, he takes the cops, and upon arrival, a ton of items were discovered. 
So some of them being the creepy masks they were wearing, the gloves they were wearing, and the knives. Mm-hmm. And they also found a burnt note that the police made out to be some sort of written plan to be a mur- to murder Cassie and Matt. Both of them. Both of them. Mm. So, and the most important piece of evidence they found was a Sony videotape. So, yeah. Matt going home that night basically saved his life. Yeah. Oh, God. So, this videotape was made up of multiple videos leading up to the murder of Cassie and after. And they are absolutely sick. Um, I'm going to read some of the transcripts just so you can get an idea of what was going on in these boys' heads. Um, There is a lot of foul language, so I'm going to try to insinuate what it's saying. But this is also very disturbing, so just kind of like a warning ahead. So one of the quotes was from Brian Draper earlier that Friday while they were at school. And he said, quote, I'm sorry, Cassie's family, but she had to be the one. We have to stick with the plan, and she's perfect. So she's going to die. And then he laughs, end quote. Mm. And then another one, Draper said, quote, We're going to go down in history. We're going to be just like Scream, except real life terms, end quote. So that's kind of where this case gets its name. Yeah. Um, and it gets a lot worse. So this next quote from Draper, they're on their way to the home where Matt and Cassie were. And he says, quote, we'll find out if she has friends over, if she's going to be alone in a big dark house in the middle of nowhere. He laughs. How perfect can you get? I mean, like, holy stuff, dude. End quote. Mm-hmm. And then Tori Adamsick says, quote, I'm horny just thinking about it, end quote. Oh, my God. Draper then says, quote, hell yeah. So we're going to effing kill her and her friends, and we're going to keep moving on. I heard some news about another female name that was blurred out for protection. She's going to be home alone from 6 to 7, so we might kill her and drive over to Cassie's thing and scare the stuff out of them and kill them one by effing one. Hell yeah. Adam Sick says, quote, why one by one? Why can't it be a slaughterhouse? End quote. Draper says, quote, two by two and three by three because we've got to keep it classy. End quote. And then it's much longer. They compare themselves to wanting to be like Ted Bundy, the Zodiac killer, the hillside strangler. It's absolutely disgusting. And these videos are long. These are just some of the quotes. They're awful. What is wrong? Like, like how, how do you even find another person like that? Like two high school boys that somehow found each other and are just both insane. Yeah. That makes no sense to me. That's crazy. I know. It's extremely disturbing. And they even continued the recording after they murdered her. Um, fortunately they they didn't record the murder, mm-hmm. but after they killed her, 
They recorded themselves saying, this was Brian, quote, just killed Cassie. We just left her house. This is not an effing joke, end quote. Adam Six says, quote, I'm shaking, end quote. Brian says, quote, I stabbed her in the throat and I saw her lifeless body. It just disappeared. Dude, I just killed Cassie, end quote. Mm. So after the end of this all, it, all, it comes out. These boys were inspired by the Columbine school shooters. They admired them. They looked up to them and obviously inspired by the Scream movie. And as I mentioned, multiple other famous serial killers. Yeah. They wanted to be just like them. They weren't planning on this being the only one. They had a kill list. They wanted to just go through their town, I guess. Like just females? They just wanted to kill? Oh, no, they wanted to kill the boyfriend, too. Yeah, I if guess. he was there, then he was just... Another victim. Yeah. Yeah. So... With all of this evidence that the cops had just found and the DNA testing from the gloves, you know, they found Cassie's blood all over pretty much everything. Yeah. Um, the masks had both of their um, DNA on it. Um, Brian Draper and Tori Adamsick were arrested on September 27th and charged with first degree murder and conspiracy to commit first degree murder yeah so to tie everything a little bit together to make more sense for myself her boyfriend had gone over and had a sleepover with tori right yeah okay and then he had asked to go see his girlfriend and he denied him saying he didn't have like enough gas or something yeah so basically this middle day the night after the day after she'd been murdered, he's trying to call her, get in touch with her, and then he stays the night with Tori, and he's like, I can't get in touch with my girlfriend. Like, so he's literally staying at the night at his girlfriend's murderer's house. Yes. That's insane. And That's like even asking for his help to go see her, and yeah, he obviously makes up that lie, because why would you lead her boyfriend to her dead body? Yeah, okay. I mean, that could also help his case, though, right? It could have been like, I had no idea what was happening. Like, yeah, him over to see her. Until the video evidence came yeah. out, which no. he had every idea of what was happening. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess so. But that makes sense. Yeah. But, again, just goes to show, like, really know who your friends are, I guess. I don't know. Mm -hmm. So... They were tried as adults, and on April 17th, 2007, Brian was convicted of first-degree murder and conspiracy to commit murder, and on June 8th, 2007, Tori was convicted as well. So, following this, on August 21st, 2007, both of the boys received life in prison without the possibility of parole. And they also received an additional 30 years for their conviction of conspiracy to commit murder. Mm -hmm. um, however, after this, both of their attorneys um, appealed these decisions. But up till now, it's all been denied. They claim so much. Um, 
basically Brian has been, I guess, a bit more accepting of his charges and those types of like what he's been going through. But Tori still claims to be innocent. Oh my God. How, how do you even try to claim that? Yeah. And his family like wholeheartedly like believes it. Like you're on videotape, bro. So that's part of the evidence. Like that clip where they're saying, where Brian's saying he just killed Cassie. Mm -hmm. They're trying to go as far to say as well. Tori never said the words. I killed Cassie. uh, Yeah. You're in the car. You're Mm -hmm. like, you're with him. Yeah. You know what's happening. Yeah. Even the note that was burnt up, the handwriting was Tori's. Yeah. I, I mean, if you're psychologically messed up enough to murder someone, you're probably messed up enough to also make yourself believe that you're innocent. Yeah. And <sighs> it's they've even been like, so there is... Um, He's even gone so far as to like kind of like claim like cruel and unusual punishment. Like um, when police got a search warrant for his home. Yeah. They also had a search warrant for Brian Draper, which is like where they found like the sheath to the knife and all those types of things, which led him to their arrest. But um, they took computers. However, the warrant basically didn't give them permission to take those types of things. Yeah. And on that computer... They found child pornography and animal cruelty. <sighs> but those that's not being used in anything. Yeah. So Just because they can't because it wasn't part of the warrant. Well, they're not. No, like they took it as evidence. Like, mm-hmm. But that's still like this boy is trying to be like, oh, I deserve a lesser sentence. I'm innocent. But then um, that's a whole nother thing like. Do you really want to get into this next? Like, but I guess because it was taken without a proper warrant stating they could, they're trying to claim that it shouldn't be counted as evidence. But yeah, as of now, it's it's all included. But there actually, not too long ago, was a Supreme Court ruling that stated in the Miller versus Alabama case that quote. Um, mandatory sentences of life without the possibility of parole are unconstitutional for juvenile offenders, even in cases of murder, ruling that the youth of the of the conviction had to be considered. End quote. So this means that a resentencing may be possible, but all of their appeals have been denied up to now so i'm not really sure what's gonna happen yeah i mean i don't really know much about that yeah like the you can't give life sentence to a minor yeah but that it just recently yeah but that just sounds i mean that's a terrible offense like yeah i don't think they should have anything overruled or mm -hmm. reduced yeah, because they thought about this for a while. It was like very were, premeditated. Yeah, so they were all for it. Like, there was nothing in their mind like that they're going back. No. Nothing holding them back. No. And even in their videos, just, like, the quotes that, like, I didn't even mention, like, they do not sound, like, right in the head. Like, mm-hmm. to be that age, and they've admitted in those videos to stalking multiple other girls at their school. They Yeah. 
They claimed one of the quotes was that they'd had eight or nine failed attempts. This wasn't their first time trying to murder someone. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I feel like the video evidence is pretty hard and the DNA. Um, I did read that on Cassie's autopsy report, however, they did find some of Brian's DNA, like under her fingertips and like on her hands and stuff, Mm -hmm. but they didn't find any of Tori's DNA on her body, but he wasn't, this wasn't a surprise to him. So I don't know. And of course, you know, this DNA testing is only getting better and better. I mean, this was the early 2000s. So maybe. Okay. I didn't know it was that old. So they're still trying to uh, Mm -hmm. appeal this stuff. Yeah. Even up to this year. Wow. It's like 20 years later. Mm -hmm. Almost. Yeah. Hmm. So, basically, anyone's worst nightmare. If your lights go out in your house and you hear something in the basement. Yeah. Absolutely terrifying. And this poor girl and her family have not been the same ever since. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, our our last episode was terrible to hear about. But this yeah. one was actually, like, scary. Yeah. <laughs> it's extremely scary. Yeah. that's That's horrible. When someone you know people you think you can trust yeah in high school mm-hmm. in high school you don't really assume that of people Mm-mm, nope definitely not mm. so yeah so the moral of the story is don't trust anyone kids <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just <laughs> don't go that far but definitely maybe be aware of who you're letting in your home yeah i mean that's hard though it is hard i guess just take precautions yeah whatever you can yeah, for sure. So that was the case of Cassie Jo Stoddart, the real life scream murder. And that was definitely an intense one. Yeah, actually scary. Yeah, for sure. Mm. But thank you all for listening. Yes. Sticking with us through this. Yeah, uh, we or you created a bunch of social media. Yes, I did. Yeah, so on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, we have um, our platforms. Our at is True Time Podcast. So if you're listening up to this point, please go give us a follow. Yeah, I mean, we're going to be trying to post on that social media platform consistently. Yeah. So if you follow now, you will get updates. Yes. And maybe be part of the community yeah (laughs) so please download leave reviews give us a five-star rating (laughs) we would really appreciate it yes we do all right well we will see you all next week goodbye everyone stay safe